It's been kind of an unusual week here in Evansville. We have had some big shots in our city. Mrs. Cruz and then Mr. Clinton. And then Mr. Cruz and then Mr. Trump and Robert Montgomery Knight. And then Mr. Cruz again, and he hung out at my breakfast spot, the pie pan, for a while. And now Mr. Sanders is on his way to Evansville. Kind of an unusual time, isn't it, for us? Two reasons a lot of people like to be a part of that kind of thing. They like to see those individuals, and they like to hear what they have to say. And as we continue our study in the book of James today, chapter 3, it's all about our words. It's all about our tongue and how we, how we use those things. Have you ever heard it said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never, never what? Harm me, hurt me, harm me. That's a lie. It's not true. Words do hurt. Words are powerful. So it is important what we say, how we say it, when we say it, where we say it. That's what we're going to look at today in James chapter 3. Have you ever met one of those kind of people, or do you know somebody who has the ability to think pretty quick on their feet? And, and they have the ability to respond to things the way you wish you could. Maybe when you're in one of those moments, you, you tend to forget what you want to say. And when you walk away, you, you're, you're just thinking, I wish I would have said this, 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 and two of those. There's a story told about a young man who was on his first day at the job. He was working at a grocery store. And he was in the produce section, and he was being trained how to put that produce in the right place and how to do it properly. And a lady came up next to him, and and she wanted to buy a half of a cabbage. And there was another lady there listening to the conversation, and she said, yeah. He tried his best to talk her out of that. He was new, and he said, hey, I have to go back and ask my manager if I can do that. And he walked back to the back of the store where his manager was, and he said, hey, There's a crazy old lady out here, not knowing that she was right behind him. He could tell by the expression on his boss's face that he was in a difficult position. This crazy old lady wants half a cabbage, and he spun around and said, Now, this lovely lady would like the other half, if that's okay. Later on in the afternoon, his boss pulled him aside and said, hey man, that was great the way you kind of got yourself out of that situation. Today, where are you from? He said, well, I'm originally from Toronto, Canada, the home of beautiful hockey players and ugly women. And his boss said, hey, 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 my wife's from Canada. And the boy said, well, who did she skate for when she was there? Sometimes we find ourselves in a difficult position, and sometimes we speak without thinking, and sometimes we do things that we ought not to do, and it's simply because our mouth works quicker than our mind. Have you ever said something that you wish you hadn't? Kind of hard to take those words back, right? Have you ever heard someone say, I can't believe you said that? Or maybe they said, I can't believe I said that. And then we try to, to um, uh, blow it away like, hey, I was just angry. 
or I, I just don't like broccoli. You know, we, we use everything we can to kind of disguise really who we, who we are. James has already talked to us about growing in Christ, and he again points his finger at an issue that dealt with his friends back in the Bible, and I think an issue that deals with us today. He has already told us that we need to be patient in trouble. And he also tells us that we need to practice the truth. And now he says that we need to work on controlling our tongue. Bummer. Says it right here in the text that we need to learn to work on these kind of things. And it's been said that an out-of-control tongue can topple governments or wreck marriages. What do you say when she comes in and says, does this dress make me look large? How do you respond to that? How do you speak the truth and do it in love? And how do you, when do you speak and when do you not speak? An uncontrolled tongue has ruined careers, has separated families and friends. It's destroyed reputation, it's caused nightmares, spawned suspicions, generated grief, and it has terminated trust. The early church was apparently having some problems with people speaking out of turn. People who didn't care what they said, when they said it, how they said it. It even involved false teachings, and we'll look at that. It was almost as if the situation was just out of control. Have you ever been in a situation that was out of control and you did your best to take control of it, but it just got you nowhere? I love the story of the guy who went to the doctor. He, he had a little mole on his chin and he went in to have it checked out because he thought that's what he needed to do. That's what his wife said. And when he got to the doctor's office, he met that nurse and he said, I got this little mole on my chin. My name is so-and-so, and I'm here to see the doctor. And she said, take these papers, fill out these papers, go down to the end of the hall, take a ride at the second door, and take off all your clothes. He goes, no, no. It's here on my chin. She said, you, I guess you, you, you didn't hear me. You need to take these papers, go down the hallway, second door on the right, go in, take all your clothes, and wait for the doctor. And he's like, it's my chin. And she said, do it or leave. So he took the papers down to the end of the hallway, second door on the right, and he went in there, and there was already a naked man sitting in there. And he said, that's a mean old nurse. And he says, what are you telling? I'm the UPS guy. <laughs> Sometimes situations are out of our control. Sometimes we have no way to kind of bring it together. But understand, James tells us that we need to learn to control our tongue. My grandma used to say, Jerry Lynn, if you have nothing good to say about someone, y'all know my grandma? <laughs> Don't say anything. Just let it go. If you have your Bibles, James chapter 3, we begin to understand some of the thoughts here. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways, and if one is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. 
So if you can control everything that comes out of your mouth, you are a perfect man, perfect woman. When we put bits into the mouths of horses, we make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large they are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder whenever or wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Nothing new. We've heard it time and time again, haven't we? However, we have a hard time, don't we? Controlling our tongue and saying things when they ought to be said. And we have a hard time saying things when they shouldn't be said. Understand, James uses some word pictures here to describe this thing called the tongue. And the first thing I want to point my finger to is that the tongue has the power to direct, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. James began by isolating the problem. Apparently there were several in the assembly that wanted to teach and lead spiritual things, and this is kind of where it starts this morning. And evidently they were not gifted or qualified to do so. Now, that's not the way we operate here in the church, do we? If someone is warm and breathing, we think that qualifies them to teach. So if we can find that person and stick them in a classroom, they are there for how long? Ever. Forever. Their whole lifetime. They become the leaders, the guiders, the directors, the teachers of that group. Evidently, the Bible says if you do teach, you need to be very, very careful. You need to be sure that you speak the truth and you do it in such a way that is pleasing to the Father. Back in those times, sometimes people could not even read or write. And they were put in positions and all. So there were people that weren't qualified to teach the truth, but they did so in such a way that was harmful. James talks about the bit or the bridle on the horse. Anybody here grow up with horses? I did. In fact, my dad tells me that him and his brother, Jack, didn't have ordinary jobs that most little boys have when they're growing up. They didn't mow grass. They didn't have paper routes. They broke horses for farmers. Who does that? So when I was in junior high, my dad decided that my brother and I ought to have a horse, so they got us a couple horses, and we went out to a friend's farm, and we kept them out there in a fenced-in area, and I learned pretty quickly that horses can be your friend or maybe not so much. Once I usually had my horse by its ear, I could get the bridle on him, and once I had that bit in his mouth, usually I had him. 
But horses are kind of tricky animals, aren't they? Those of you who have messed around with those kind of things, when you're putting a saddle on the horse, if you haven't ridden it for a while, it has the capability to blow its belly out. Some of you know what I'm talking because I've seen you blow your belly in and out, timer two. Had a friend who really wasn't my friend, he was an acquaintance, and I know I shouldn't have done this, but that's kind of who I was back in the day. And he wanted to ride my horse. I did not want him to ride my horse. And he just kept bugging me, so I decided to let him ride. And I noticed as I was putting on the saddle, my horse had expanded its belly. So that means once you get on the saddle, he lets that air out, and the saddle can slide right down to his underbelly. And when my friend got on and I said, giddy up and go, he flipped over and was riding upside down for a while. I thought it was pretty funny. He didn't think it was funny. But he never rode my horse again. My brother had a horse, and it was kind of mean. I remember one day when he was riding his horse through him, and it started to gallop down the lane right at my dad and I. I did the only thing a brave little boy could do. I jumped over the fence. And I watched as my dad grabbed this horse by the reins as it was running by him, and he kind of turned, and the horse went up in the air, over on the ground, and he was like down on its neck. And I decided right then that day I would never mouth off to my dad. He would call me one time, and that's all that it would take. That's the way I learned that kind of thing. But usually once you have that bit in the horse's mouth, you got it. And you can kind of guide, guard, and direct it where you want it to go. Had a Bible study group here that went on a cruise a few years back. You ever been on a cruise? Man, those boats are humongous. And I was amazed. I said, there's no way that we're going to get out of this little canal without this captain banging off one side of the canal or the other. And that guy turned that thing around in that space. He had rudders and jets and all kinds of things, and I was amazed at his ability to maneuver that big thing. But on a boat, if you've done a little boating, there's a little rudder on the back of that boat, and that kind of pushes you in the direction you want it to go. That's the way it works. And we are told that that little tongue in our mouth can be a good thing or a bad thing. It can bless or it can curse. It all depends on how we deal with this thing called life. In Proverbs ten nineteen, the Bible says, He who holds his tongue is wise. Have you ever had something to say and it was the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, but the timing just wasn't right? How does this dress make me look? Better learn to hold your tongue. Remember that words do hurt. And remember that it is important how we say it, when we say it, where we say it, and those kind of things. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Have you ever got angry at someone by the way they talk to you? You know, you kind of get that thing going on. They call you a buckethead, and you say, okay. That's how we're wired. The Bible says, no man can control his tongue. However, with the power of God and the hand of God on us, we have a great chance to keep it under control. But it has to be with the hand of God. Proverbs 21, 23 says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. And isn't that the way it works? The second 
thing that I want you to understand about the tongue is that it has the power to destroy. Do you know that gossip is a sin? It is. And sometimes in our church experiences, in our small groups, in our study groups, in our prayer groups, we have a tendency to lose our focus. And when we do that, prayer time kind of looks like this. Julie, Eunice, and I are so glad you could join our prayer group. Lord knows we need prayer now more than ever. Amen, sister. Barbara and I just love to lift the needs of others up in prayer. Well, I appreciate your invitation. Well, enough of this chitter-chatter. we got to get this show on the road. Now, I don't know if you've heard, but the Hendersons are in real need of prayer. Tom Henderson lost his job. Did you see Tom Jr.'s haircut the other day? (laughs) It looked like a porcupine on Red Bull. I hear Tom Sr. spends all day on the computer looking at the Internet, watching videos on the YouTube. That's probably why he got fired. Oh, no, no, no. His boss caught him on the surveillance camera playing Texas Hold'em. Hold them accountable, I say. (laughs) I mean, it's one thing for housewives like us to have hobbies, but he is a man of the church. He has a family. He should know better. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. No, I would like to lift up Verna Carlson. Oh, she has not been feeling very well. What's wrong with her? Well, I heard it was her weight, five pounds in one week. More like 15. Someone needs to tell her that eating ice cream will not save her demonic children. Oh, don't we know it. That little Jeffrey almost ruined the service the other day, singing at the top of his lungs for all the world to hear. So wrong. Mm. I have a prayer request. Um, the Whitmans are going back to Peru for a month to build houses. Oh, they work so hard over there in that poor country. That's a good prayer request. They're such a nice couple. And her apple pie was the hit of the bake sale. Oh, yeah, but what about that V-neck sweater? I mean, if it had been any lower, well, I, I just didn't think that it was becoming. I noticed that, too. I didn't want to say anything. And let's not forget the dress that she wore last Easter. Um, I have another prayer request, um, for us, because, um, we're just sitting here gossiping, and I was thinking that, you know, we shouldn't be tearing down our brothers and sisters, we should be edifying them and lifting them up, so, we should probably pray for ourselves. Well, I guess you're right. We should know better. Yes, we should. No, I do it too. I mean, last week at the picnic, I told everybody that Betty's son was going to jail. And I found out he's going to Yale. (laughs) Well, I don't know what happened to us. You know who's really bad at gossip? Who? That is not the way we do small group here. That is not the way we do our prayer time, hopefully, and that is not the way that we handle ourselves because words can hurt, do they not? Yale, jail, what's the difference? Well, there is a big difference. And we need to understand that it is important how we talk. When we say it, where we say it, how we say it, it's 
very important. I don't know if you have ever seen the damage a fire can do. Has anyone ever had a fire in their home? My brother had a little grease fire one time, not a big deal. And I cannot believe the amount of smoke damage that little fire did in that house and how we had to take care of things and do it over a period of time. Just a spark. My dad was helping a farmer friend get ready to go on vacation. Our families were going on vacation together, and he was helping him get his corn in. And my brother and I just had time on our hands and no one to watch us. And he had brought a bunch of fireworks. And we shouldn't have done this, but we were lighting firecrackers and throwing them and bottle rockets. And he threw one out into a wheat field, and he said, come on, let's go get it. Well, when we got out there, it needed to be relit. He was older. He was smarter than I was. And we relit that thing, and it went boom, and fire came around us. And we ran and screamed, and two fire trucks later, the fire was out. My dad had some harsh words for us. When we got home, he told our mom what had happened, and she had some harsh words for us. It was just a firecracker. But a lot of damage can happen quick when it's out of control. And the Bible tells us that we need to keep things in control. That's the way it seems to work best. The Bible says in Psalms 10, 7, the mouth is full of curses and lies and threats and trouble and evil are under the tongue. Proverbs sixteen twenty seven says, a scoundrel plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. And then he talks about taming wild animals and how we can do that, kind of. Who is the king of the jungle? Tarzan. Tarzan's the king of the jungle, and he can control wild animals. Tarzan's not real. I don't want to bust your bubble today. Not real. But I'm sure you have heard of people like, remember the crocodile hunter? He's no longer here, but now there are gator boys and other people that chase these animals and do things with things that really creep me out. Someone gave me a crocodile head and it's in my office. I have it up on a shelf. I get all kinds of things. And I said, whenever I see that thing, I will pray for you. We can tame wild animals, or some people can. But the Bible tells us that we cannot tame our tongue. Psalms 58 says, Even from birth the wicked go astray. From the womb they are wayward and speak lies. Their venom is like the venom of a snake, like that of a cobra that has stopped its ears and that will not heed the tune of the charmer, however skillful the enchanter may be. Psalms 140, verse 3, They make their tongues as sharp as serpents, and there is poison on their lips. And the Bible tells us in verse 8, we can't tame the tongue, but with God's help and with the power of the Spirit, we can control our tongues. One more thing he says about the tongue in this piece of Scripture, verses 9, 10, 11, and 12, he says the tongue has the power to delight. Here James gives reference to a fountain and a tree. You know, on a hot day, there's nothing more refreshing than water. I don't know why that is. You know, I kind of grew up in the South, and sweet tea goes a long way, doesn't it? But when you're really hot and thirsty, it's water that kind of curbs that thirst. 
And he asks the question, how can salt and fresh water exist in the same place? And he says they can't. Proverbs 10.11 says, the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. Proverbs 13.14, the law of the wise is a fountain of life. What do you say when you're angry? Do words that you usually don't share come out? What do you say when you're happy? Is it different kind of words? Our daughter-in-laws, when they talk to our grandbabies, when our grandbabies, believe it or not, I think this comes from Debbie's side of the family, when they're starting to have a meltdown, they say things like, use your happy words. Use your nice words. There are sometimes I'm not sure I have happy or nice words. Have you ever been there? And the Bible tells us that we need to find those. How can praises and curses come from the same mouth? How can fresh water and salt water come from the same source? How can a fig tree bear olives or grapevines figs? The answer is they can't, they can't, they can't, it can't. We had better learn to control our tongue. It has the power to direct and delight. We were doing some FaceTime last night, and one of our grandson was showing me his new PJs. And he said, Poppy, they glow in the dark. And I could have said, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Who wants to sleep with the lights on? And that would have just crushed his spirit. So I asked him if he thought I could find a pair for me, that I could wear that would glow in the dark. And he said, Poppy, you're silly. And you know, sometimes our words can be a benefit or a destructive force. I wonder how you talk to your kids, your grandbabies, to your spouse, to your employees, or to your friends. I wonder if you are known for good words or bad words. The story is told of two very good fishermen. They were... Um, confronted by two environmentalists. And the environmentalist said, how can you guys fish and cruelly catch fish? And one of the fishermen didn't even look up. He said, fellas, if those fish had kept their mouths shut, they wouldn't be in this mess. And I want you to know today, folks, if you would be better at keeping your mouth shut... Chances are you wouldn't be in near as many messes as you find yourself in. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as a sword, but wise words can heal. James says the sign of a spiritual maturity is the ability to control one's tongue. I had an older friend tell me one day that they could say anything they wanted to whenever they wanted to because they were old and it didn't matter. I said, that's not true. The Bible says it doesn't have a ray, an age prerequisite. It's there. How many of my friends here today have had heart surgery? Anybody here? A few? My dad has had a valve replaced two times and I read an article not too long ago that came from a medical document. Doctors say that the repair that they have done on the heart is temporary. In fact, if people don't change their diet, if they don't exercise more, if they don't reduce stress from their life, chances are there's nothing that doctors are going to be able to do. 
And then it goes on to say that 90% of the people who have heart surgery never change. I'm like, seriously? I think that would get my attention, wouldn't you? So because they never change their eating habits, their lifestyle, their exercise routine, chances are it's not going to take. I wonder what it's going to take for us to change the way we think, the way we talk, the way we do life. James says we need to start by learning to control our tongue. makes all the difference in the world. Maybe you're here today and maybe you need a church home. Maybe baptism like Peyton did today, claiming Jesus as Lord and Savior for the first time, and it was a pleasure watching Dad baptize his, his boy. Maybe baptism is where you need to start, or maybe you just need to pray that God would bless you with a church home and bless you with the support that you need to better control your tongue. I don't know what decision you need to make today, but you do. This is your song as we stand, as we sing, won't you come?